Why don't we stand? Let's stretch out our hands. There's two things I want you to pray for, okay? I want you to pray for the power of God to come through the Word. Not just with power, but with authority. That's what the Scripture says. And also, I want you to pray for yourself, that as the Word comes out with power and authority, that you will receive that Word. You know, if you don't receive the Word, it doesn't sit in your spirit. You have to receive it. You have to receive it. You can't just hear it and not do anything about it. You have to receive it and act on it. That's what the Word says. The Word says we need to, um, we need to ponder on the Word. We need to resignate and, and let that Word sit in our spirits, okay? So I want you to pray for that now and pray for the man of God and then agree with me after that. So just pray quickly. Just agree with me. Father, I thank you for your servant. Father, I thank you for Brother Joseph. As he ministers your word, may your word go out with authority and with power. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that everything that you have implanted in him will come out. Father, I pray for us as a congregation also, whether we are new to the faith, whether we don't know you, whether we have known you for a long time, that, Father, we will receive that word Lord, that word will make a difference in our lives and it will transform us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Musicians, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Good morning. Is it morning? Good morning. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's good to see you today. I was wondering whether um, this fruit business over there, whether, anyway, let's just carry on. Okay, we're going to begin a new series. We're going to begin a new series on wisdom. Wisdom. And uh, I am hoping that the Holy Spirit will help us the next three months to really focus on this subject and really empower us. We're going to learn about wisdom. We're going to learn how to walk in wisdom. We're going to recognize different areas of our lives where we can build wisdom uh, and, uh, and so forth. So we're going to begin this journey of wisdom. And we're going to lay a foundation in the next few weeks upon which we will build over the years. I think for me, the subject of wisdom in terms of how we live as disciples of Christ and how we fulfill the vision God has for us is probably the most needed in the current climate. Being able to walk in wisdom. Um, about maybe 26, 27 years ago, I was listening to one man of God, and he spoke up until this point. I used to pray a lot for wisdom. But he spoke about how he often prayed for wisdom. And from that point, when I heard that, I made a note of it to ask for wisdom regularly. Regularly. So most of the time, when I am faced with a question, most of the time, in my daily deliberations, I have a reflex and it would be, give me wisdom, give me wisdom. And I have found it very, very useful. So we're going to teach about wisdom, both from a scriptural, what we know from the scriptures, but also out of experience as well. Because I believe that if you have this virtue ingrained in you, there is very little that can confound you when you're challenged in life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 this will be our key text um, over and over, and also we'll look at another one. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. That is, it is superior to everything else. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, cultivate wisdom, embrace wisdom, 
desire wisdom because it is the principal thing. It is the chief. It is the most important virtue. Now, in terms of how you live your life, in terms of how you live your life, wisdom is the principal thing. In terms of how you live your life, wisdom is the principal thing. Many believers do not exercise the wisdom God has given to them. Many. At times, believers, we make decisions that, in my opinion, are just plain absurd. So, for instance, a believer needs money to pay the bills. So, instead of them working, they will be praying and praying and praying. And then when a job comes, they will refuse it because why? They are praying. And they end up in debt after debt after debt. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. Or you find a believer will enter into marriage hoping things will get better. Because, according to them, God told them to marry that person. That's absurdity. You've gone quiet on me. If you are courting somebody and you can see that things are bad, that is, you have been given the the code, the, the information you require to act wisely. If you are married, you can say amen. If you are not married, you can keep quiet. But at times people will say something like this. I know he is a brute. Or I know she is not a good woman. But I am believing God because God told me to marry them. God didn't tell you any such thing. This is stupidity. I'm serious. I'm serious. This is some of the nonsense that as a pastor we face all the time. Of course, not, not, in, not in CLF Greenwich in Jesus' name. But I'm just saying. At times, people make stupid decisions. I mean, let's just call it stupid, foolish decisions because they lack wisdom. So at times, as a pastor, I'll say, but look, the word of God says, and they'll say this, I know the Bible says, but... So we're going to see over this series some of the warnings that wisdom gives of itself to those who reject wisdom. Amen. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Say to your neighbor, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. We will touch on understanding maybe later on. Um, but let's look at another example. I didn't give this in your notes. First Kings chapter 3 from verses 3 to 15 to show you the superiority of wisdom. We'll touch on it today. We're, we're just going to touch on little things today just to show you the superiority of wisdom in terms of why you need wisdom. Now, let me just digress a little bit, go ahead of myself. There are different levels of wisdom There are different levels of wisdom in the word of God. And uh, there are two key areas I will be focusing on throughout our teaching. And that is godly wisdom and the spirit of wisdom. Godly wisdom and the spirit of wisdom. They are the two key areas I'll be focusing on throughout our teaching. But uh, we're going to see in the example of Solomon the advantage of the spirit of wisdom. So let's look at from verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 3. It says, And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Pause. Solomon loved God. That's how he started. He loved God. Many of us, if not all of us, love God. And he walked in the statutes or the directives that his father David gave him. And you learn some of them in Proverbs, how his father David gave him certain directives and so forth. 
and burned incense at the high places. Now, he loved God, he listened to his father, but he compromised in an area of his life. Burning incense at the high places was forbidden. It was not the way we were supposed, they were supposed to worship God. They were not supposed to worship God in high places. In other words, the high places represented the idolatry of the heathen. That's how they worshiped. So what he's saying is this, that Solomon began well. He loved God. He did what he was told, his father told him, but he, there was an area of compromise in his life. And I want to show you as we do this teaching that unless you have a certain kind of wisdom, you can have all the wisdom and still destroy your soul. If you don't have the highest form of wisdom, which we'll touch on um, maybe next week. Verse 4. Now, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, Ask what I shall, what shall I give you? Now, let me pause again. Now, I want you to notice something. Solomon offers a sacrifice. In fact, 1,000. 1,000 burnt offerings he offers on the altar. He offers a sacrifice in a compromised manner, and God accepted it. At times, just because God is hearing your prayers, just because God is honoring your prayers, does not mean you are doing things the way God wants you to. This is one of the things I have discovered again amongst many people, because they lack wisdom. The superior wisdom of the word of God. And because of that, they think that because God honors their sacrifice, because God hears their prayers, it means God validates everything about their life. Beloved, the validation of God upon our life must never be measured by an anointing or by his favor that we experience. Because God will honor and bless you and I in spite of us. Sometimes because of his people. Sometimes because of his mercies. So I'm just, I'm just you know, just touching on these things. This is not where I want to get to, but I want you to see this. Solomon offers a thousand burnt offerings in a high place. He gives an extravagant sacrifice that God receives, but he did it from a place that God did not want, from a place of compromise. Verse 6. So the Lord appears to him, sorry, verse 5. The Lord appears to him and says, ask, because of this sacrifice, 1,000 burnt offerings, ask, what shall I give you? Now, how many of you have ever watched these, um, like, Arabian nights, and the genie appears and says, oh, I am the genie of the bottle. What shall I give thee? Three wishes. How many of you have ever wished you could have such a position? Huh? Come on. Hey, Christian Life Fellowship. I'm asking you a question. How many of you would like it where God gives you a blind check? How many zeros should I put in front of that one? Well, this is what he was saying to Solomon. Ask. You, you've just done something. You've done a sacrifice. I'm not even looking at the fact that you've compromised, but you've done a sacrifice, and I like the sacrifice. And that's another thing, just touching on this. How we sacrifice to God is very important. When you are sacrificing something to God, when you're offering something, whether you're ushering, whether you're doing the sound, whether you're leading in worship, whether you're sweeping the place, whether you're teaching and preaching, whether you are praying, this offering you give God is very important. Because the kind of offering you give to God will create a response from him. At times, we, we, we don't realize there are seasons of visitation. One day we'll talk about that, the day of visitation. There are seasons of visitation when God decides to visit you. And he'll come to you, and every believer, if you're walking with him for a while, there are seasons in your life that this occurs. They don't occur often. Maybe in 50 years, it may occur two or three times. And these days of visitation are very important. Well, this was one. He offers a thousand burnt offerings, and God says, 
Whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. Now look at him. He's a young king. He's 30 years old. He's a young king. He's, he's succeeded his father David, a general. In fact, he was more than a general, a patriarch, a messianic figure. I mean, David is colossal. I mean, imagine this. David's, David's ministry is such that in the millennial reign of Christ, our Lord Jesus sits on the seat of King David. Can you imagine? I, I don't know if you understand what that is talking about. A man has walked this earth in such a way, has had a ministry in such a way that in the millennial reign of Christ, when he sits on his throne in Jerusalem, he sits on the throne of King David. In fact, the New Testament worship is patterned after the tabernacle of David. How David did it. That's awesome. And this is the guy Solomon is coming after. That's why there is hope for you. That's why wisdom is so important. So let's read on. Verse 6. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. By the way, as a man, as a woman of God, one of the things you need to be able to do is to have spiritual sons and daughters who will continue the work you start. Every one of us, there's a work God has given to us that we are to hand the baton over to the generation coming. I pray that you hand your baton over in Jesus' name. And this is what David was able to do. He was able to hand the baton to his son Solomon. And that was part of the kindness of God for him. Verse 7. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child, 30 years old. And I do not know how to go out or come in. In other words, I really ain't got a clue how to be king, especially after this guy. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? The speech pleased the Lord. I mean, the language here to me is incredible. You think God who knows everything, he knew what Solomon was going to say. God, when he's dealing with us, he, he comes down to our level and relates to us on our level. He says the speech pleased the Lord. In other words, there is a way to talk to God. I'll never forget this. When my enemy accused me before God one day, and the Holy Spirit allowed me to see it, and I think I've shared this to you about four times, so here goes the fifth one. So, in this vision, I was in a courtroom, and church people were accusing me, just hurling it at me. He's done this, he's done that, he's done this, he's done that. And then the Lord Jesus said to me, Joseph, what do you have to say about what they're saying? And I thought very carefully, when the Lord is asking you a question, he's not looking for information. He wants your heart. So my answer was, Lord, what they're saying, I am worse. What they are saying about me, I am worse. And I wept at his feet. And then he put his hand on me and said, well done. I was really glad I answered that way. Can you imagine if I said, don't mind them. Look at them. Look at them themselves. Look at them. Ungrateful bunch. Look at how I've loved and cared for them. Now listen to what they're saying. I said, Lord, what they are saying about me, I am worse. And he said to me, well done. The speech pleased the Lord. Beloved, you are walking with your king. You must learn how to speak to him. You must learn how to speak to him in a way that touches his heart about you. Yeah. Can you say amen, somebody? Look at what he says. Where are we? What verse are we on? Verse 10. Verse 11. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing, and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, 
but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So, verse 14, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed it, was, it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Now, the interesting thing is, the very next verse, verse 16, after God gave him this great gift of wisdom, he faced an impossible challenge. Two women who had just had children bring him a dead baby and a live baby. And they say, this one says it's my baby, this one says it's my baby. And then they're both saying it's my baby. But one of them has slept. And while she's sleeping, she's killed her child. Rolled over and killed her child. Can you imagine? Even me, a man. When I had children sleeping next to me, and I sleep deep, as my wife will testify. I don't roll over. So you can tell this woman was a very bad woman. But in those days, there was no DNA testing. I don't roll over and, and squeeze my children. Although I have heard one or two in the past say, Dad, can you move a bit? You hurt me. But even I didn't kill them. I, mean, I didn't kill them. Even I. This woman, you just gave birth, and you were able to kill the child. That means when the child was wriggling, you just... So now, Solomon is looking at this, and he says, bring a sword. And they're like, what? Cut the baby in two and give it to each of them. They're both saying, it's my child, it's my child. Cut the baby and let's be done. The one who was the mother said, no, 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 it's all right. Give her the child, give her the child. And then look at the other one. No, cut it in two. If I can't have it, she can't have it either. Even if, it, even if she was the mother, she's disqualified herself. <laughs> and Solomon said, nah, give it to this woman. She's the mother. And then they realized, oh my God, what kind of wisdom. Wow, amazing. But the point is, what I want you to see is that this wisdom was given to Solomon. But the only way he could use it was by facing a problem. So, if you want to increase in wisdom, you must be prepared to face puzzles and challenges and problems that requires your wisdom. However, before you say, ah, okay, forget it, this wisdom series, that's it, I've got enough to deal with. Look at what happened with Solomon. He asked for wisdom. Now, he asked for wisdom because of his office. He did not ask for wisdom for himself as a man. And that's another point, because there's different words there, and we'll touch on it. He asked for wisdom because of his office as a king. In other words, I can have wisdom as a pastor, and as a pastor operate superior wisdom, whereby my pastorate benefits greatly, but at home, I'm a bad husband, and I'm a bad father. And I don't have wisdom. I can operate wisdom in my office, whatever office I operate in, and in my office, I am superior. But with people, in terms of relationships, I don't know how to have good relationships. So you need to understand what Solomon asked for and what God gave him. Solomon asked for wisdom for his office. This is why he was very foolish in other areas of his life. He asked for wisdom for his office. God gave him wisdom for his office. But listen, this very wise man married 700 women and had 300 concubines. That's not very wise, is it? Because although he had wisdom for his office, he didn't have wisdom for his personal life. 
And this is the thing you need to understand about wisdom. There are different levels of wisdom. There are different ways in which wisdom is applied. So what I am teaching you is more than wisdom for your function. It's important to have wisdom in your function. Don't get me wrong. It's vital because we see a lot of foolishness in the name of anointing. But you need wisdom as a father. You need wisdom as a husband. You need wisdom as a wife. You need wisdom as a friend. You need wisdom as a colleague. You need wisdom as a church member. Because sometimes church members, again, not in CLF Greenwich, but church members can behave very stupidly. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You got born again. You come to a good church. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about another church. A very good church. Your pastor is a very godly, sincere man. He's trying, or woman, they're really trying to help you. They always are there for you. They've helped you grow healthily, helped you, helped your children, helped you develop. You're doing really well. And then one day, one day, a stranger comes to town and he preaches in a different way. Your pastor, maybe he's not very eloquent, you know, when he's teaching you. Well, you know, Jesus is a, and he's got a very strong Ghanaian accent. You know, Jesus is the Lord, and Jesus really loves you. And your pastor is always talking about Jesus is the Lord, and Jesus really loves you. And then this preacher comes and says, he, he, first of all, he doesn't have this Ghanaian accent or Nigerian accent. He has a kind of an American accent. <laughs> and when he's preaching, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, say, you know, and, uh, and then stammer. But he's kind of very fluent. You see, God is a God of order, and he knows what he's doing. And when he's moving, he's moving. And if he's not moving, he's not moving. <laughs> and you're like, wow. And so the rain falls from the heavens, and the dew comes on the earth, and the grass is in the field, but what is happening to you must be done by the living God of holiness. <laughs> the, oh, my, this man, he, he's, he's, he's really something. He's really something. And, and then your pastor finished there, yeah, and, uh, and uh, uh, Jesus is, is the Lord. And I uh, tell you, Jesus really, they care. He cares power for you. I mean, hallelujah, Jesus. And they forget. They forget the pastor who wiped them when they were. They forget the pastor who helped their children when they were. They forget, and they go and follow the stranger who leads them up some. We've seen some of these things. Not, not in CLF Greenwich, of course. But I've just seen, we've seen some of these nonsense. Because people lack wisdom. I see all the time. They lack wisdom. And you know, one of the biggest things, stupidities I experienced as a pastor, again, not in CLF Greenwich, just generally. This thing where people say, the Lord told them to do stupidity. The Lord said, the Lord said. And there's no sense of weighing it. Weighing it according to scripture. Weighing it. As senior elders, Steve will tell you, when we discuss things, we weigh it. Never mind, never mind what you as a senior elder say God is telling you. We still weigh it. Why? Because the word teaches us wisdom. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Why do you judge prophets? Why do you judge apostles? Why do you judge them? Because they are human beings. Why? So what I'm saying is you need wisdom for every area of life. Solomon had it for his office. He was brilliant as a king. Brilliant. He could speak 3,000 proverbs. How many proverbs can you remember? 3,000. The man could just recite 3,000 proverbs. When Solomon would speak, people would travel all over the world to hear him. I mean, how many come and hear me preach on a Sunday? That's how he was amazing. He was an amazing man. He understood the herbs. He understood plants. He understood animals. He understood things as a king. What kind of king? These days, all they know is they're reading a the teleprompter. And, uh, you know, Brussels and, uh, yeah. yeah uh, this man, he was amazing. But he had wisdom for his office, but he didn't have wisdom for his personal life. How can you marry? How can you ma I mean, his dad married, had ten concubines and well, I think three or four wives. But he went like a dad, small boy. 700 women. I mean, just to visit one of them every day is over. It's a lot of, there's a lot of, I'm tired already. I mean, come on. That, that is, that is. And then you, when you read Ecclesiastes, he said this. 
He said, Solomon said, I decided to find out what madness is about. I wanted to experience madness. Now, this is supposed to be a man full of wisdom. Now, if you have wisdom, you don't need to experience madness to know how madness is about. Just look at mad people and you know what madness is about. Now, of course, these days we don't say mad people. We say mentally challenged or whatever. I mean, let's just quickly move on. Look, madness, that's what he said. Solomon said, I decided to, to study madness. So he became, he behaved like a mad person. Then he said, he decided, let me see what it's like to have any pleasure I feel like having. That's, that's the kind of stupidity. At times, some Christians decide, they say, I, you know, I was born in the church. I grew up in the church. You know, I, I've, never, I've never experienced drugs and, and violent, uh, alcohol. I've never had sex. So, you know, before, you know, I'm getting old, so let me also, let me also experience what it's like. And then I know. I mean, that is called stupidity. It's like saying I've never had an accident. So let me stand in front of a car. Let it hit me and know what it's like to have my leg broken. Then I will understand the pain of people with a broken leg. What is that? Why would you want to destroy your virtue of purity? You're blessed. You never looked at pornography in your life. God bless your life. In this day, you've never seen pornography. God bless you. You're an amazing human being. Some of these people there, they have. <laughs> I'm just preaching my preaching. The men's retreat, men's retreat we, we, we explored this thing. It was very interesting. Pastor John, you know, when he's teaching, he asks a blatant question. How many of you have watched Pana? I like, I'm not admitting to that. <laughs> Never. What is pornography? <laughs> Solomon had more than what he asked because the wisdom he asked was for his office. So God gave him everything he needed for his office. He said, I give you long life if you live well. He said, I give you riches. He said, I give you your enemies. He said, I give you all these things. But you see, here's the thing. The question is, how did God give it to him? Through the vehicle of wisdom. That's how. God didn't give, you see, God didn't give it to him like this. He just went, walked into some room and then magic, the whole heap of diamonds in there. That's not how God gave him. God gave him the riches through the vehicle of the wisdom. For instance, you know, at times people talk about tithes and offerings, and I believe in tithing and all of that. And uh, they say, you know, when you tithe, God will open the windows of heaven and you pour out a blessing. And in their mind, they're thinking, God will open the windows of heaven, so heaven will open and then money will come down. No, when you look at it in the Hebrew, he opens the windows of heaven, pours out a blessing. That word blessing is a benediction. In other words, he gives you a word. And that word that he gives you is what empowers you to prosper. So through the time, heavens remain open, revelation comes, empowers you to prosper. All right. Now, notice verse 9. He asks God for an understanding heart. That word understanding is from a Hebrew word, shama, which means to hear intelligently. He said, God, I want you to give me the ability to be able to hear with accuracy when people are talking to me. Some of you who've ever been with me in a counseling context, you see this grace operate where a person will come, two people will come, and they will tell me, this is their problem. One will tell me a very sad story. You see this man, hmm. He's such a horrible man. Or the man says, see this woman? Pastor, if your wife were like this, you'd have killed her by now. And they'll paint this picture. And the other person is sitting there quietly, quietly, quietly. And then when you finish, they say, well, some of what they said is true. Some of it is not so true. But what I have learned is to listen very carefully. So as I am listening very carefully, I will ask a question. And sometimes, if somebody's listening in, the question I ask, they'll think, Joseph, haven't you just heard? Why are you asking this question? But by the time we get to the end, it becomes very clear to all who the guilty person is. The ability to hear intelligently is so important. 
is part of wisdom. Where you don't make judgment based on what you see. I will never forget this. One day, a church member came and told me that their, their um, child has told them, this is in a, a, another place a long time ago, a child had told them that their friend had abused them. So I said, report it immediately. Report it immediately to the authorities. Whether it's true or not, report it immediately. So then I called this person. And I said, this is a situation. I said, I don't know your child, so you need to report it, which they did. So I asked the person, did you, did you do this? Said, oh, pastor, why would I? Why would I do such a thing? I was just a child, why would I do The way they spoke, it was so convincing. So I said, okay, well, I have told them to report it. So I said, let me go and ask the Holy Ghost. Because he knows, isn't it? He knows what happened. So I asked him, Lord, this, guy, this child says this, this guy says that. What happened? The Holy Spirit said, he did it. I said, okay, let me ask again because I may have heard it wrong. Lord, this guy said this. He said, he did it. Third time, he said, he did it. I said, fine. Now you have to be careful. So called the guy, I said that. I asked the Holy Spirit and he said, you did it. First of all, I asked him, did you do it? He said, oh, pastor. I asked him again, oh, pastor, never. I said, okay, fine. I asked the Holy Spirit and I also asked the Lord, what do I do? He said, confront him. This is the wisdom. And he said, you did it. You know what he said to me? Uh, you see, Pastor, I knew that the Lord would tell you. I knew that the Lord would tell you. Yeah, you see, I, I did it. I actually did it. Well, he ended up in jail. Praise the Lord. Amen. You should have, that's a place to clap. Somebody clap, but you didn't. He ended up in jail. That's what we do. Look at you. Look at me strange. That's what we actually will do. We will do that. Amen. So, what is Wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the accurate use of knowledge. That is his most basic definition, biblically. It is the accurate use of knowledge. Because not every knowledge must be shared. At times, the Lord will reveal things. At times, we will know things, and we keep quiet because it's not time to share. Wisdom is the accurate use of knowledge. A dictionary definition of wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Or the fact of being based on sensible or wise thinking. Or the body of knowledge and experience that develops within a specified society or period. That's great. But biblically, wisdom is the accurate use of knowledge. Now, the scriptural definition of wisdom, Psalm 110 Sorry, Psalm 111, verse 11, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding of all those who do his commandments, his praise and do us forever. Proverbs 1, 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So, true wisdom find at its heart the fear of the Lord. We'll touch on that um, as we teach. True wisdom will in some way validate the ways of God. Now, wisdom is superior to all. It is preeminent. Like we read in Proverbs 4, 7. It is the chief, the principal thing. Look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. Happy is the man who finds wisdom. In other words, blessed, empowered to prosper is the man who finds wisdom. It doesn't mean gleeful is the man who finds wisdom. <laughs> I found wisdom. That's not what it means. And the man who gains understanding or increases in understanding. What is understanding? It is insight and perception regarding knowledge. 
It is insight and perception concerning an issue. And knowledge is details or information or facts. That's what knowledge is. So wisdom has two associates, two main associates. There are others. It is knowledge and understanding. That's why you always see knowledge and understanding with wisdom. Now look at this. It says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Give me five more minutes and then we're done. All right? Seven more minutes, I'll be here five, and then we're done. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver, and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Why? Because with wisdom, you have the means to have all those other things. With wisdom, with wisdom, you have the means to have access to the rubies, to the silver, to the riches. This is why at times you find certain men or women of God in the ministry who have the wisdom about finance become very financially wealthy. It's not because they're crooks. It's because they have learned from the word the wisdom of wealth. There is a wisdom to wealth. There is a wisdom to be a king. There is a wisdom to be a pastor. You see, in this church, the kind of wisdom we venerate above every other wisdom, there's five levels of wisdom. There's natural wisdom. There is godly wisdom. That's asking um, wisdom from God. There's natural wisdom, godly wisdom. There is the spirit of wisdom. There is the word of wisdom. And then there's what I call Christ, the wisdom of God. And we'll touch on that. And in this church, that is the one that we venerate the most, Christ, the wisdom of God. Because everything we talk about is about Christ and being Christ-centered and all that. Basically, this is the wisdom that interprets everything through the lens of Christ. That is the highest form of wisdom. We'll touch on it another time. But nonetheless, there is, and we also dwell a lot on godly wisdom, there is the spirit of wisdom. Now, the spirit of wisdom is where God will give you wisdom concerning a certain kind of thing. It's specific. So you have the spirit of wisdom as a craftsman. You see this in the scriptures. We'll touch on the other time. So as a craftsman, you have the spirit of wisdom. And when you design things, it is incredible. You have the spirit of wisdom as a general. Joshua had the spirit of wisdom. That's why he could conquer 31 kings. He had the spirit of wisdom. Moses laid his hand on him. Moses could only deal with two kings, but he had, he had the spirit of wisdom. So when he laid his hands on him, he imparted the spirit of wisdom for the general. So at times, a man of God who carries the spirit of wisdom or a woman of God who carries the spirit of wisdom can impart the spirit of wisdom to you specific to your field. One or two of my sons have been blessed this way where we've laid hands on them and because of that, they have excelled in their field. Now, we don't do it willy-nilly. We don't, we don't, we don't, I don't come after them and say, come and lay hands on me. No, 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 no. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. No, no, no. Verse 15, she is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days is in her right hand, that's her strength, and in her left hand, riches and honor. In other words, length of days, her strength, length, length of days is in her right hand, which speaks of strength, right hand. And riches and honor in her left. In other words, it's like a supplementary benefit. It's like a supplementary benefit. Riches and honor. It's not even the main thing because you can have riches and honor and still lose your soul. But when you have wisdom, the spirit of wisdom governing you, it allows you to live all your days on the earth. All your days on the earth. And empowers you to have access to all the resource you need to fulfill your days. Her ways are ways of pleasantness. The ways of wisdom are the ways of pleasantness. You see, the scripture says, and I tell Aisha from time to time, she hear me say this, the way of a transgressor is hard. The way of a transgressor is hard. People who do things outside of divine boundaries end up facing unnecessary challenges. But the ways of wisdom are ways of pleasantness. 
So if you are operating in the wisdom of God, concerning your life as a single person, you will enjoy being single. You'll be really happy being single. And then when you get married, if you operate in the spirit of wisdom, you will enjoy being married. See what happens with people when they're single, they want to be married. When they're married, they want to be single. Because they lack wisdom. Are you still there? I know you guys just got married, so you don't know what we're talking about. Because they lack wisdom. When you have wisdom, the spirit of wisdom concerning any area of life, it becomes pleasant. So this is one of the ways you can monitor yourself and see if wisdom has been dictating your path or something else. Because if wisdom is dictating your path, eventually, not initially, eventually, your path becomes a pleasant path. But if folly has been dictating your path, initially things seem great, but eventually it has a bitter pill to it. We'll talk about the wise and the foolish woman. And when we look at these two women, and when we look at wisdom and folly, I tell you, it is scary and it is powerful. Look at this. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Happy are all who retain her. She is a tree of life. A tree of life means this. She is a source of vitality. She is a wellspring of blessing. When you have wisdom governing you, life, vitality, refreshment, is the outcome eventually. I'll conclude with this. Ecclesiastes 7, verses 11 and 12. Wisdom is good with an inheritance and profitable to those who see the sun. For wisdom is a defense as money is a defense, but the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Wisdom is a defense. Money is a defense. Of course. But the superiority of wisdom unlike money, is that when you have wisdom, you have life. It causes your life to be refreshed. I am believing God that at the end of this series, all of you will operate in the spirit of wisdom in Jesus' name. I am believing God that at the end of this teaching, that many of you, the spirit of wisdom that rests upon this house will infuse in you in Jesus' name. I am believing God that through the word of God, you will be empowered with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in, for every facet of your life. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. I will conclude and say this. The quickest way to begin to access wisdom, and we'll keep going to this, is found in James chapter 1 from verse 5 to 8. This is the quickest way to access wisdom, the spirit of wisdom. He says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives liberally to all without finding fault. But let them ask in faith uh, with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, tossed and driven. Driven and tossed, I beg your pardon, by the wind. He says, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, for he's a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. But I want you to see this. If you lack wisdom, if you see there's a wisdom deficiency, the quickest way is to ask God for it. This has been my secret. If you want to know, this is my secret. I ask God for wisdom all the time. At times I'll be talking with Vaish, and I notice that the conversation has gotten a certain way. Then I will just... I realize I am behaving like a buffoon, so I need to access wisdom. There is a wisdom in how you handle your wife, brother. If you don't know that wisdom, you tear your heart out. Yeah. Because, you know, you're just eating and talking, eating and talking, and then suddenly, what, what have I done? Nothing. What's wrong? Nothing. This is good food. Oh, I get it. 
I'm using my hands in a restaurant. Sorry, Englishman. Or you could say, hey, me, I'm a Ghana man. In Ghana, we eat with our hands. If you don't like it, this is the man you married. So if you don't like it, I'm just going to eat anyway. Go for that and see the kind of marriage you will enjoy. There is, there is, there is wisdom. I'm telling you. You single people, you are blessed. You don't know some of these things. You don't need wisdom for such things. You can eat how you like. Well, before I, met, I was eating how I liked, I ate. I ate how I liked. I ate. Just, today's our anniversary. 23 years she's been tolerating me. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. She has needed wisdom to handle a person like this. A wise woman builds a house. Says the foolish one, she pulls it down with her own hands. Listen, ladies, you need wisdom to build your house. Because sometimes the man you are living with, you need wisdom. <laughs> Listen, as a parent, if you're a single parent, those people, in my view, are superior. Because even with two of us, and we have one child in your life, okay, you look after him, you look after him, you look after him. But these people, my dad was a single parent. He looked after two boys. He looked after two of us, me and Alfred. We were a handful. We, 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 we gave him all kinds of maneuvers. But he had the wisdom. Time single parent, it's hard. You need wisdom. So when you see your child has done so well, you have to realize you use wisdom to bring them up. You have to give God the glory for the wisdom he gave you. Because I tell you, to be able to bring up a child as a single parent so that your child passes, it's not popular. There's wisdom. That's why we want to celebrate all the single parents in this church. You are superior to us, as far as I'm concerned. Amen. All right, shall we conclude? Let's bow our heads in prayer. And then all who's going to come and officiate communion. I want to pray for you. Those of you who are saying to God, you want an increase of wisdom. Why don't you stand where you are if you are saying you want an increase of wisdom? And we're going to be doing this a lot through this teaching. So if whenever we say it, you feel a need, a resonance in your spirit, just stand, lift your hands, and tell him, Father God, give us wisdom. Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom right now. Give me wisdom. And Father, I ask for this church and for these precious ones standing, let the spirit of wisdom rest upon them. Lord, as they stand right now, pour your spirit upon them, that grace of wisdom, whereby they will begin to flow with the accuracy that wisdom demands in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. Amen. That's right. Give the Lord honor. Well, we're going to um, take the communion as part.